Hey, everybody, and a welcome back to another exciting episode of Indie Film Cafe. I'm your host, Jonathan Moody, and I've got my awesome, awesome co-host here. How you doing, Paul A. Presenza? How's it going, everybody? This is your old pal, the Moo Cow, a.k.a. Paul A. Presenza. Lovely to be joining you guys. Woo! Ooh. Always, always a pleasure having you on, you know, of course, you know. Uh, and we've got uh, an awesome, awesome, awesome special guest here who's been on the show before, uh, for Samurai Cop, uh, please yeah. welcome Kate Phoenix. How are you doing, Kate? Hello! Good! <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so far, you've done Killer Biker Chicks and Samurai well, Cop. And now... Samurai Cop is out of the two of those. Samurai Cop is better. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget Pink Flamingos! Well, that was that was What the Fuck Friday. I'm talking about Indie Film Cafe in general. You know, yeah. We'll uh, definitely have her for more shows if she's up for it. You know, Yay! Um, and generally you are pretty up for most of these things if you uh, if you're not too busy already you know shooting whatever yeah i'm, movies you're I'm always down for anything and and i want to film more movies so anyone listening that wants me in a movie <laughs> yes clown nato 2 come on yes uh, todd sheets clown nato 2 or yes. you know we can make it bigger make it a clown a cane okay please <laughs> Attack Florida. You know, uh, I, cloud, I, cloud I, see, I see a giant hurricane hitting Miami, picking up a whole bunch of clowns in the circus, and uh, they die and it becomes uh, zombie clowns and drop onto Haiti and attack everybody. There you go. Yeah, let's 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 do it, Tallahassee. And uh, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking, clown, a clown, Nami. You know, a, a clown and a tsunami. <gasps> clown Nazis. I mean, Has anyone done clown Nazis? I don't. Okay, so trademarking that shit right now. <laughs> yes, copyright that. You know, get <laughs> not ideas. I'm all about ideas. I have no fun. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, this is we're not going to be talking about clowns or you know Nazis or anything crazy <laughs> like that in this one. We're going to be talking about the 1989 Andy Sedaris film, uh, Savage Beach, and uh, it's Andy I, Sedaris. It's boobs and bombs. Pretty much. Uh, uh boobs and what was it g-strings and you know other things whatever all the different stuff that they throw in this movie action explosions i mean we we don't get movies like this anymore i don't feel like you know um not not anymore but maybe somebody will come back and and make a you know the only person i can imagine trying to do that is like jim wernerski you know he's still around explosions are expensive though yeah. Well, you can do, you can, you know, weirdly enough, you can do good CGI explosions for cheap. No. You know? No. If we're, if we're going like the Andy Sedaris or you have to do real explosions. Yeah, you can do fake boobs. You just can't do fake explosions. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm one to, to talk, you know. You, you can do fake boobs. Yep, there you go. All right. <laughs> Well, uh, we're, we're going to be uh, right back, but after we listen to some mood, mood music. All right, and we are back. Uh, so we are here to talk about Savage Beach, and it's been it's been a little while since I've seen these movies. Yeah. Um, 20, uh, 25 years for me. I, you know, I bought uh, bought the uh, big set that they have on DVD. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's got like all 12 movies on like three discs, you know, because they have girls, like, guns, and G-strings. Yeah, girls, yeah. guns, and G-strings. And mm-hmm. I think uh, if I'm correct from hearing, um, Kate, that you have the Blu-ray of it. I do. Nice. Yeah. I do. That's that's how I watched it, which I watched it today, not yesterday, like I said. <laughs> well, I saw that the uh what is it? Um uh I, I saw that the Blu-rays got commentary, so I'd love to hear that at some point. Oh yeah. So I need to buy <clears throat> that Blu-ray. Um but see the thing was like buying them all in one case was like ten bucks or something for like twelve movies, but like those blu-rays are like 20 dollars each or something you know yeah but they're so worth it i mean the the picture quality yeah so much better Hmm. blu-ray 4k way to go i I mean there are some movies that don't okay but but yeah blu-ray this blu-ray though was it was great yeah i I would definitely would get it on blu-ray too mainly because i got my dvd used i think i paid barely five bucks for it so i can i can afford to up it up you know a little bit even though I have to say, any Sedaris movies in general, usually they're a little too well produced for me to enjoy as a stinky movie. So I don't get as much fun out of them, you know, because they don't fail along the same ways that a lot of other movies do. Now, right. they're typically dumb as a box of bricks. That's the usual critique I have. And I got a whole bunch of notes about how dumb this movie is and needlessly dumb. And that's the thing that usually bothers me about it, but that's okay. But there's, you know, production wise, you, you've got much better production going on in Savage Beach mm-hmm. than you do in most of the movies that we cover in any film cafe. Or even that's that true. being made today, you know, and people have, you know, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, resources that Andy Sedaris really didn't even have, but he did have money, you yep. know, which, mm-hmm. um, uh, I was actually talking to our mutual friend Dustin Hubbard today about it. Oh, I love uh, Dustin. Yeah, and Dustin had said that, um, you know, that like, yeah, movies like today uh, are like they just it, it, they just don't have the budget that those movies had mm-hmm. for independent films. You know, mm-hmm. like that was probably uh, that movie right there probably had a hundred thousand dollar budget, and that was back in nineteen eighty nine. So you can imagine it's probably at least five hundred grand to maybe a million dollars to make one of those movies, and so it to make the movies today it would not like you couldn't you couldn't <clears throat> get people like people really tend to do like twenty grand to fifty grand a movie for low budget films these days. Right, and the thing was is they were guaranteed to make that money back because in addition to having those movies at the DVD stores or the the VHS stores, uh, you had outlets like HBO and Skinamax and other ones buying up that exact kind of movie to put on late at night. I love how you said yeah. Skinamax. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, well, it's that's that's what it is. I mean, and and I would agree with that too. And I think now, um, definitely not bad mouthing independent film directors, but I think that there are the market is a lot more saturated than it was then as well, because we have more to film on. People are making movies on their phones because their phones are filming better than some of these cameras, you know, cameras grow outdated so quickly that, you know, you can, you can film a whole movie on a freaking iPhone. It's, it's crazy. Um, But I think Andy Sedaris 
took it seriously as well. Like he, I feel like he produced a lot of his movies like they were more of a Hollywood budget. The way it was shot, the the way he would, or I, I would say primarily in the way it was shot, the way he would view the characters and stuff like that. Like <clears throat> he definitely had the indie film elements. The boobs were there. Mm-hmm. They were a focus. The the you know the sexy especially because he was a, he, you know he had a lot of like sexy strong in um female leads and so i think the way he he shot it though just seemed to be a lot more of like a a hollywood shoot sure yeah. and and usually in these movies it's generally never the problem for Andy Sedaris the director or even Andy Sedaris the producer or co-producer it's almost always Andy Sedaris, the lazy, lazy writer who doesn't really care about details. So that if you catch stuff and you're like, wait a second, what, what the hell's going, what, what, what? It doesn't matter because he's assuming people are watching the boobs and the explosions and they don't care. Not well, I, I'm like watching that. the boobs. So, you know, yeah. you got me on that one too. I mean, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't paying attention I mean, to, I, you know. I am 100% a boob girl. So, I, I, I love how they're flying in the storm. They're like, time to take our tops off and put on the new one. Like, I, I forgot about that scene, like rewatching the movie. Like I had looked down for a second because I like I was, you know, I've seen this movie before. Um, so I was like doing other stuff too. And I like looked down for a second. And I look up and I'm like, I do not remember this. I'm sad <laughs> I don't remember this. I mean, for no real reason other than to show boobs, it's the cinematic equivalent of following a girl into the the shower and then just focusing on her while she watches himself. But instead of doing that, he did something based on the scene again. Look, they were the, the the their clothes were wet. Okay, they at least they they made that acknowledgement <laughs> of it, you know. Which I was just like, because I was remembering. Um, what a lot of people have said on like different reviews and other things. And one of the things people talk about with Andy Sedaris is like his excuse to like, there, there a lot of times like his trademark is, is nudity for no reason whatsoever, you know? <laughs> and so well, there's like, a reason like, there's reasons, but it's mm-hmm. like the big reason is, you know, fans. it's generally not plot related necessarily, yeah. but you know, right. butts and blood sell. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and 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 you know they also had the guns. You know, you got male are, butt are... too in this one. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, and and male chest, male chestage. There was some of that. A little bit yeah. of that, you know. And uh, not as much, but you know, as uh, as the the woman route. Yeah, well, of course, that's because uh, boobs are trump pretty much any kind of man package out there. So you know. I I mean it's true, and and I've actually talk to different like women um or from people within the horror community and um about nudity about nudity and, and filmmaking and if it's necessary and i am still along the lines of the idea that it's fun i find it empowering i find it a great time if the world would let me be naked all the time i would be so i am totally cool with it you know teach his own i Totally respect people that aren't cool with it, but (laughs) yeah, the world on the other hand um, says no. You know, I don't want to be arrested today. Thank you. Well, the world of Sick Flick Productions certainly says yes. Well, at least part of it anyway. (laughs) 
I look, I'm okay. I'm okay with nudity. Um, just for certain things we gotta, you know, we can't, we can't film that stuff, especially if we're looking for like a, a lower rating or something, you know, or, I, I only, I just don't like it when it's obviously there, you know, the only reason is exploitation and titillation. You know, like I said, those, those typical shower scenes, because it's been done 10 billion trillion times. Or At like, least you didn't get that in this film. And, and, uh, we, Except we found the airplane scene. Yeah. Right. Well, we filmed a scene in uh, our Echo Lake uh, Massacre movie that we did with Kate and uh, Tina Krause, which normally and what it originally was going to have nudity. And then we chose to go a different route with what well, I chose. And uh, and that was the, that was the thing. It's like people are going to would be expecting that at that time, you know, like they're that's what they're going to be expecting. They don't you know, if they don't get, they don't get, you know, like it'll be a surprise, you know, for them sort of. And it's thing. funny because, you know, again, female nudity always sells male nudity on the other hand, not so much, not right. so much. Dangle tends to make people go, Oh, well, yeah, that, uh, that, but like male butts are all like all like a lot of times people like guys will show their butts off more than anything. You Usually know. it's a comedy you'll see that, but not so much like sexy time. Well, Tommy Wiseau I mean, likes to do that. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm totally co- cool with like anybody's nudity. Um, I personally, I mean, I would rather look at a butt. Than, yeah. I mean, I, I'm others. thinking of that, that, that personal preference. That classic scene in um, oh, what's the Kevin Costner movie, the Western uh, Dances with Wolves, where he chases. The one guy away when he was in the water and he comes out and he's he's naked and uh you know the guy runs off and he just stands there scratching his butt and you're just like watching him scratch his butt every time i saw that in the theater everybody started laughing so you can kind of do that with guys whereas if it'd been a female whole different tone yeah you know? i mean that's true but i mean I, I mean that could be a whole nother like analytical break it down sexuality you know looking at women in uh in cinema and, and that could be like a whole freaking episode on it. Like, that could be its own podcast. And and the only reason I bring it, really it up is, is because you do had you did have both in this particular movie. Exactly, Although clearly exactly. uh you know the a, a, Agent High Beams and Agent Camel Toe are the ones that the movie <laughs> is focusing on. Hey, you my know what? I mean I will just say Hope Marie Carlton has my heart. Like, oh yeah, I, I adore her, and, oh, and yeah. Donna Spear is great too. But she has been in all the other all the other ones pretty much. Oh, you know? Marie Carlton's the reason why I watched most of the Annie Sedaris movies. I yeah, she, yeah. So I mean, she's she's a sweetheart, and I really because, I adore her. You know, uh, high school Mukal loved Hope Marie Carlton and Terry Weigel, who's also in this film. She plays the Ruski agent who gets killed. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> those are the two, you know, Donna Spears, I mean, she's okay. It's not really my thing, but those two, I definitely watched. And that's mainly the reason why I watched Andy Sedaris. The main reason I would watch Jim Wynorski is that uh, those girls that I happen to like, you know, high school. Sure. I watch them. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, let's, let's talk a little bit of the story. You know, um, so uh, Kate, can you uh, summarize this film for us? Okay, so pretty much um, these two, they're DEA agents, I'm pretty sure, um, have to deliver medicine to um, 
I believe it's supposed to be an island still in the Philippines. In the Marshall like Islands. That. Yeah, and I, I can remember specifically. Um, and there is a terrible storm, and they're pretty much forced to land because they're also running out of gas, which really makes no sense because where were they supposed to refuel? Um, <laughs> so they're forced to land, and they essentially stumble upon people that are looking for um world war ii japanese gold that is hidden yeah that is hidden amongst the philippines which is actually based on uh true um facts which i'm really glad that you actually had me come on this movie because i grew up in the philippines so yay um yay (laughs) and so those are actually based on true like you know, uh, I, I don't want to say folk tales, but like rumors and, and stuff like that. Um, and so it's it's kind of them versus the bad guys that are trying to like take it for themselves. And then these good guys that are trying to give it back to the country. And um, so they're pretty much just thrown into this mix um, with some random mystery dude. Japan yeah. bow. That's what I call him. <laughs> Japan bow. <laughs> I like it. Um, he, uh, so like, you're wondering the whole time, what is going on with this guy? Like, why is he just, he'll randomly appear. And I remember like a scene where he just like his, uh, was it, I guess sword or whatever goes like straight through the people. Like, you know, like the hole between the people. And I'm just like, and then he just kind of stares at them and walks away. <laughs I'm like, what so is yeah. going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Japanbo should be like 80 years old at that point, but all he was, you could tell he was just a young man with some caked on makeup yep. and some, some powder in his hair. Well, well, and ridiculous. he put like more mud on his face. And actually what was really funny is while I was watching this movie, you know, cause these girls are wearing next to nothing. I was like, this is unrealistic. <laughs> if you were. This movie? Okay. So I, you know, like I said, I grew up there. So I would go swimming with a t-shirt on because you're so close to the equator that you fry. Like, you are not escaping it. It is inevitable. So them out there in this, like, in next to nothing, direct in direct sunlight, bullshit. They did have their knee-high boots, though. You noticed that. In, in the sand. <laughs> yes. And then their... their makeup that they put on the the can or not the camo but essentially camo and then they put it on that's it yeah and then they they shoot to another scene and it it looks like they've been in the jungle for days and this makeup is just smeared across their whole face and it looks terrible oh yeah yeah well trust me i have two pages of notes (laughs) of me saying this is so stupid because blank, 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 and blank. So I don't know at some point when you want me to talk about it, but keep going, Kate. Yeah, keep I was going to say, I will give like, okay, do you want to hear my number one pet peeve about this movie? Sure. sure. It was not filmed in the Philippines. No, no. Every other freaking jungle movie was filmed in the Philippines at this time with Sierra Santiago. He was great. All these post-apocalyptic movies. But this freaking movie was filmed in Hawaii when it right. could have been filmed in the Philippines, probably for a cheaper rate. Um, but yeah, that is my biggest pet peeve about yeah. this freaking movie because I want to watch this movie and go, have I been there? Yeah, it would have been are... a lot cheaper, but I imagine the people who put up the money probably wanted it you know, filmed locally. 
because you know he got his hands on some stuff that probably he wouldn't have gotten necessarily at the Philippines, like the exactly. the, the plane, you know. And I mean, most but, of his movies were actually filmed in Hawaii, so yeah. like I I understand that, but I was I, like the irony. <laughs> I thought he was from Hawaii, like I thought yeah. because he shot like Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Yeah, and that was uh, all in Hawaii. Yeah, I shot most of his a lot of his movies in Hawaii, but then you know he's actually from he was he lived in Beverly Hills, you know, um, and stuff, which always made me like wonder about him because like I mean. He, I don't know. I guess money. back then he must have had money from these movies. He must have made oh, yeah. some mm-hmm. damn good bank from these movies. And what what just baffles me is like indie filmmakers today can't get nearly that or anything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that, 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 age, that was a change. golden age of independent films in the eighties and nineties, uh, and there were all kinds of people waiting to give you money. And uh, it's just it's just not the same today, unfortunately. I don't. Well, yeah, I want to bring I mean, that back. back. We need to bring saturated. We need to bring it back, man. Bring that back. But I, I, I mean, I agree. I am busting at the chomp to talk about some of the problems, the ridiculous, right. <laughs> unnecessary problems that Mr. Sedaris puts in his film because he doesn't care about details. Little things like okay. They're supposed to be flying from Hawaii to this little tiny island in the Marshall Islands. And he's like, oh, it's 1,500 miles away. No, it's actually 2,500 miles away. (laughs) And you are never going to make it in a tiny little single prop Cessna Skyhawk, which only has a range of 730 miles. Okay, you will never make that. It's ridiculous. So what you do, what you could have done is say, okay, let's put them in a commercial jetliner, one that flies 550 miles to make the flight in five hours, get them close, and then you put them in the little plane that'll go and find them. Otherwise, that's just that's just an island hopper. There's no way it's going to make it. I mean, the storm is an issue because they're flying a goddamn lawnmower. A commercial jet just <laughs> climbs above the storm. It's an unnecessary problem. You know what I mean? And then it's so funny because when they finally land right next to the hospital, you can tell from the clouds that it's a perfectly nice day and someone's off camera squirting a hose on the on the, the windshield to make it look like there's a, a storm. It's ridiculous. Well, and That's- I would agree with that because I've actually flown from Hawaii to the Philippines. Yeesh. Oh, wow. So That's- I agree. Like, that is a long freaking flight. This makes no sense yeah. whatsoever. Um, but I can suspend disbelief um, in, I mean, I see it as like a fantasy film. Exactly. It's <laughs> right. a fantasy. It's a 14-year-old kid's fantasy. So you can see <laughs> boobs. But yes, it's a fantasy. No, it's, yes. it's definitely a fantasy. And, uh, and, and a lot of that stuff, like... Yeah, Paul, you pick that stuff around, and maybe, and even Kate notices that stuff because she flew, you know, that stuff or whatever. Me, I don't know the, how far things are from each other, you know. So I, I as a normal, you know, moviegoer, he's counting on me to be watching this movie, not you guys, you no, know. I know. And, and usually that's, that's that's fine, but you know, little details, I can't help but pick it up. Things like, you know, the fake, the fake army guy. But he's wearing blue chambray, which is a navy uniform. Oh. So I'm like, oh, well, that's you... that's all you, because I don't freaking know that. Crap. <laughs> yeah, see, he's just noticing all these things that I don't, I, mean, I don't pick up on, nor do I care. You know? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know. I don't know anything about military anything. So. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had to act as a military guy in, uh, in a asylum movie and I, I like, they could have given me the wrong uniform and I would have been like, okay, I'm wearing this. Well, you like know? when they That's go sad. and they, they talk to the quote unquote Japanese admiral, well, they didn't really have admirals. The, the Japanese only have a self-defense force after World War II. It's been in their constitution since 1947 that they don't have an actual active military so they don't have those titles andy so. andy sedaris didn't have the fucking internet he I doesn't know, know this shit <laughs> you know? i mean that is, that is true um i will say however if they actually freaking filmed this in the philippines though they could have gone to corregidor and they would have actually seen the really cool shit they have there where you can actually bring home anything you find so you find a bullet casing bring it home you find a freaking helmet or a piece of shrapnel or something, bring it home with you because they don't care. <laughs> Absolutely. And if they had it in the Philippines, I mean, Unless, it has a real airport. Well, exactly. And um, I will say, though, Corregidor won't let you uh, bring back bombs. Um, my brother's friend found a uh, – it was a bomb. Or it was like some sort of something that could have gone off. Um, so they definitely took that and were like, no, we will take this and dismantle it and all of that crap. But um, yeah. So. Speaking of going off, did you happen to notice when they land and they like take three steps away from the quote unquote hospital to give the, the stuff? And then she's like fueling up her, her plane. And I'm like, yeah, no hospital on earth has jet fuel sitting three steps away <laughs> from the sick, defenseless children in the hospital. Sorry, not even close. They would put it someplace else. You know what I mean? You know what, though? It was, they were desperate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. And then, you know, the other thing that, that cracked me up, and it's got nothing to do with uh, Andy Sedaris, of course, but the tech at the time. They were using a shitty five-and-a-half-inch floppy disk. When I'm like, yeah. Man, in 1989, yes. nobody was using those. The the three and a half hard case discs yes. were there. Nobody was yes. using that. They had the technology to change the ID photos. Exactly. With just like some <laughs> Um. Also, the computer. I, that was actually a note that I made. Was the computers that they had that they were doing all this, you know, this stuff with. I was like, my phone can do that now. <laughs> That's so funny. And I love how they had the meeting so with the fax machine there. And they're like, it's trying to make it look like it's high tech. I'm like, it's a fax <laughs> machine. That's all it is. You know so what, though? Funny. I remember when my grandparents got a fax machine and they thought it was the coolest thing ever. And my, my grandmother worked at Best Buy. So my grandfather faxed. Uh, or sent a fax to my grandma at Best Buy, and she sent one back, and we thought it was the coolest thing in the whole freaking world. So I yeah. can't really like be angry about that. Oh yeah, it's not angry about it, but but okay. Here's <laughs> here's an example. Remember, they're flying through the storm unnecessarily because they're flying a damn lawnmower, and they're like, oh, we're running out of gas. We have to we have to ditch the, <laughs> the plane. And what happens when they land? The plane catches on fire. How can the plane catch on fire if you've run out of gas? What is burning? You know what? Electrical crap. <laughs> I, I mean, ask, drama. ask, oh God, now I And it didn't even matter. It made no difference. The, 
What's the director that just blows everything up? Oh God, there's so many of them. Michael no. Bay. Thank you. Uh, Ask Bay. him. He will tell you <laughs> I, what explodes and oh, what burns. You know what? He won't tell you, but he'll get somebody who will. Because I know a guy that worked on a set of his that was actually a soldier, you know, like a, he was in the uh, military and he was there to, you know, help, you know, think for Transformers to make sure that everybody knows mm-hmm. what, what they're doing. And he said that uh, that he came up to uh, the DP or whatever, the uh, assistant director, somebody and said, no, 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 you can't do that. That's not that is not what the uh, a, you know, a. a army person would do blah 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 blah. and they said um uh this they said oh no and then and michael bay comes over goes no listen to him you know just do 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 whatever he tells you you know so that we can make sure this looks good so he actually does care you know but he doesn't probably know he gets people on his sets that know how to do that shit. Boy, he loves his okay. explosions and that explode there are definitely michael bay-ish explosions it's like yeah. when oh, the one there. guy kills the 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 guy when he double crosses him and he gives him a case and uh blows him up i'm like <laughs> wouldn't you just shot the guy so much cooler though? i know like, and would you and, rather see someone shot or someone blow up like let's be real here oh, I, I just was wondering what was gonna happen if he did check hit check the um uh you know because he asked him like if you wanted to uh count the money right and he was like, no, do you or something like that? And so later on, he opens up the thing to check it and boosh, he explodes. And I'm like, wait, so would he have just exploded and not given him the uh, the thing if he had just, you know, like, was he counting on him not actually to open it? <laughs> like, I mean, it's so much simpler to just question. go, boom. <laughs> I, it my, is, but is it more my fun? My absolute favorite reaction, though, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but when she shoots the freaking arrow and he looks at it uh-huh. and then he goes to shoot her and I was like but he reacts as if he knows what it is right and if you know what it is would you not try and get out of the boat well here's the thing I think what he knows is that the instead of air the boat was filled with gasoline because there's no way a tiny tiny little charge like that is going to make that big giant explosion that we ended up seeing. Right. So clearly well, it was made out of gasoline. And what blew up on that boat? Because the boat was literally one of the little fabric dinghies that they, right. you know, I it was, was an emergency boat. I thought it was the gasoline that, that yes. set it off and made it explode. The gasoline explode. inside the boat instead of the air. Because I mean, it, but gasoline doesn't really fully explode like that. Like, the way it would have to be in order to... Okay, because I have set things on fire. Um, <laughs> this makes me sound like Kate's, a pyromaniac. Pyro, pyro I am just not a pyromaniac. Just when I wasn't okay. sure I'd like Kate enough. <laughs> <laughs> so... In high school, for some freaking Jesus Bible reenactment, we set a gas can on fire. Terrible, <laughs> terrible decisions. As you do when you're following the Bible. Okay. What? I, okay, I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> um, well, actually, my friend was a dumbass. And let me, so we couldn't light, because we were trying to set a portion of the grass on fire, but it was too green, so it wasn't igniting. So my friend was like, let me pour gasoline on it after I tried to light it. So 
of course, then the spark goes back up into the gasoline can. And we just have a burning gasoline can that we let roll down a hill for a really long time that we probably shouldn't have let roll down a hill. <laughs> and it's a good thing we did not catch anything else on fire. Um, <laughs> but there's no explosion because of the way the fumes are and everything like that. Like, I mean, explosions in film are BS anyway. Uh, usually it's, it's uh, well, first of all, not, we're not making you props master on any of our shows, first of all. Uh, <laughs> Second of all, it's usually because the, the gasoline is, is under some kind of pressure, but that's why it ends up exploding. But a dinghy, well, exactly. a dinghy and the, that's inflated with gasoline is not enough to do that. Right. Ex exactly. That was essentially what I was getting to. But blame a kid named Jake Lyons, not me. <laughs> okay. but so he, goofy, he can't be the uh, prop master. Okay, goofy, goofy little details. Like at one point, <laughs> uh, you know, a Agent... Um, Camel toe sits there and pulls out a sextant. Okay. A sextant. And I'm like, is it the 17th century and you're a bunch of Dutch explorers? What is going on? And then she's like looking at it. I'm like, what exactly is that telling you? Oh, we're off course by 145 miles. No. When I'm they sorry. when they can't even see the stars. Like they specifically said that I, I believe they specifically said yeah. that like they can't see anything. They can't even see the horizon. So, no. yeah, it's just somebody had the prop and they were like, oh, wouldn't this be cool? And let's make them <laughs> pretend that they actually have brains instead of just boobs. And she could use the damn well, sextant. Well, that's really bad when you're saying right now that that, that was wrong. Because that doesn't make them look like they have brains. It's because he doesn't know either. Uh, well, and, and, and I mean... To set the record straight, I do think these women have these women have brains. I mean, one was a freaking Playboy model, and I think any woman who's ever been a Playboy Freedom. model is freaking smart. The reason being is because they know how to play the game. Yeah, no, there were there were Just three of them in, in here, but unfortunately, yes. Andy Sedaris makes them look dumb. Yes. Like at one point, when when Japan Bo finally makes his his thing with them, and this is this is what they say. You know, he he like pretends or he almost cuts them with the sword and he says is he part of a tribe he's more animal than man and i'm like he's got a samurai sword a metal samurai sword you just saw it i i hated that line because i i was so confused i was like he looks almost like a military guy you know like in a way like he did not look like some he yeah he had a uniform on so he did not look to me like a you know he just looked like somebody was camouflaged in the fucking woods you know part of a military I thought he was part well, of well and he even I mean he understood the importance of the fact that you're so close to the freaking equator that you burn like a freaking like tomato like you'll fry like a tomato um so he put like mud on his face and everything yeah. Well, I he was thinking they put that was his aging makeup is what I thought that was. I didn't <laughs> think that was him protecting his face. I, I don't know. I I, I couldn't See, tell but you. I grew up there and I understand the importance of the freaking sun frying you. Like, but, so that's what I literally thought was him like, OK, so he's putting this on because he's protecting himself from the sun. But he's but also like hiding he, in the, the reeds. You notice that that Agent Cameltoe has the big gun. But she also has a number of small handguns. But poor Agent High Beams, they give her this worthless little crossbow, a single shot crossbow. And I'm like, why couldn't you give her a gun? Which is she a had billion a gun. times better. She did have she, she, she had a gun. gun. She had a she had a she pea shooter, but she it. had a gun. 
She yeah. just never used it. All the shots were her holding the damn little. Mini she was trying there. to be Rambo. That's what I said she had yeah. a pea shooter. Um, she was Bimbo also, instead of Rambo. <laughs> another favorite thing, um, um, whatever you call that guy, um, Japambo. Japambo. Um, his uniform being such great shape <laughs> after right. so many freaking years. Well, okay, so I want to talk about this real quick because it's sort of like his his dying uh, monologue that he does in uh, <laughs> Japanese and everything. Talking the exposition about, part of the movie. Uh, yeah, exposition part. So was so he murdered her father, right? That's what yeah. I got from it. Because I couldn't really understand, like, at one point I got very confused as to, like... Well, she talked about it before. Why the hell would they give a shit about these people that they're reacting to? And I could never figure that out. So then all of a sudden she's, like, holding him and, like, he murdered her father. (laughs) Like, sure, he helped them out, but, like... Why was she like holding, you know, like I would, I, I, I hate to say it, but I, I think I would have been a little bit more pissed had uh, uh, this guy explained all of that, you know. Grief you know. does weird things to people and makes people act really weird. So who I knows how anybody would react. I guess you well, could. Well, the only that. reason she even takes it seriously to begin with is because he has that, that photograph, which yeah. more shenanigans color photographs during world war ii was extremely rare so the odds that they had a color picture no no i'm sorry andy it would have been so much easier to make it a black and white you know yeah that wouldn't have cost as much too it would have been like a because it would have been faded at that point i feel like so it would have been faded too, but they don't fade anything, like you said. But then again, he doesn't have the freaking. I mean, I could freaking recreate that photo on my phone right now, make it black and white. Bam, no, you know, problem solved. I could even do the freaking like faded, you know, all that on my phone. This is why it bothers me that this the movies like this got made in the eighties, and we could do so much better, but we just don't have the money. <laughs> So it's like, well, and I, because no one's willing to pay, because just like conventions, it is oversaturated. So people have to work even harder. Mm -hmm. Um, but then some people just don't and they just spit out movies like it's nothing. Uh Um, we we can do just like in this movie is during every time when there's going to be a gun battle, yeah, someone yells, freeze. Freeze! Freeze! Even the bad guys who were supposed to be bad guys who would you think would just shoot people instead they're like, freeze! Freeze! Not even cops <laughs> really do that. I do want to make a disclaimer. Please understand that I absolutely love independent film. I say it's oversaturated, but I love it. No, yeah, no, I'm, no. A- I'm, actually, I'm actually in the middle of an independent film right now. Um, it was a Wild Eye release. Um, nice. Hey. Yay. Yeah, so it won me over with a song about a dead turtle that turns into a ghost. Oh, I, I, saw wow. that. I saw that on your thing. So. <laughs> I, I own yeah. it. I've never watched it. Wild Eye actually gave it to me. There's, you know, they're like, do you want this? And I was like, sure. But the thing and, is, and this is a point I've brought out with Moody a number of times. Generally speaking, being writing the script and being careful with it and, and paying attention to details doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't harm your budget. I mean... I mean, that's true because there are certain films. One of my favorite independent films ever is Cats Like Blues. That movie, freaking brilliant. I wish it would have a lot more reception than it did. Um, same thing with Androgynum. 
freaking brilliant freaking movie. Your script is the foundation of your film. If you don't pay attention to details, if you're just lackadaisical about it, you're, you're just not going to have a great film. It doesn't matter who you put in there or how many boobs you show. You're, it's going to be a weak movie. So um, one of my favorite stories is that Uva Bowl, right? Got, oh a, got, a script, got a script for uh, Blood, Blood Rain, the first Blood Rain movie by a theme, by the... Uh, by the writer of fucking uh, American mm-hmm. Psycho, right? So she oh, wrote wow. she wrote the script, sent it to him as a rough draft, and he goes, mm-hmm. "We go into we go into production right now," and they go, "Wait," she was like, "What? No, what? No, no, that's just like the rough draft, you know." And, uh-huh. goes, and so she finds out later that Uva Bowl basically rewrote some of her script, mm-hmm. then sent it off to the cast to write their own stuff. To the, uh, butchering the movie and she's just like i will i i watched the movie i was sitting there staring at the screen laughing at my own movie because it was so ridiculous you know this movie so so actually what's really funny about that is i took um a couple of script writing classes or screenwriting classes mm-hmm. in um college did not go to school for for film or anything like that. Actually went for education, whole other story. Um, but one of the videos that we actually watched, she talks about how he completely destroyed her script. Yep. And then as a screenwriter, you have to be fully prepared that if you send your, your, your script off to someone that's going to make it, it is not going to be anything like you actually wrote it. You watched the same documentary that I did then, because it was like it was all about screenwriting, and it was bit different yes. screenwriters talking so about. I had to watch it for school, though. <laughs> I watched it for my own school, like you and, know. And, and like, the, you the know. problem is, is that generally speaking, that script is now being turned over to somebody who is not focused on the writing, is focused mm. on the direction, or is focused on other things, or just doesn't care, or just doesn't know any better. And that's where things get dodgy and, you know, but that's the thing. You write your script, you sell your script. After that, it is somebody else's baby and you yeah. just hope for the best. So I will well, I, oh, go ahead, Kate. Oh, no, I was just going to say, but I think that's one of the beautiful, beautiful things about independent film is because often the scriptwriter is also the director. Yeah. And I think they're able, even though they have to make shortcuts and you have to cut things out and scenes are not going to be the way, nothing's going to be the way that you envision it in your head because it's clearly a lot more money than you ever expected. But it's beautiful when a screenwriter can also be the director in their own mm. film um, <clears throat> because your baby comes to life, even though it's a little bit more deformed than you when when i we were shooting love spell um and i was seeing everybody doing their scenes and everything while i I was directing it was just amazing you know seeing it come to life and seeing those (laughs) those lines you know and and everything so i'm just you know i I love i love doing that you know like i love being Mm -hmm. a director and and the writer um but sometimes you know like yeah you're right sometimes uh, for the dark office, the one we did with Lydia, uh, we had issues, you know, uh, things didn't go as like we were hoping for. We had to change things up and, and uh, you know, and, and some things that we we're hoping to get, we didn't get. So, you know, you have to just roll with the uh, art love spell too. We Things mm-hmm. didn't go as well. And you have to just kind of, you have to roll with the punches and just keep mm-hmm. going. Yep. <laughs> Um, I, I remember just, very well. Yes, you did. The script is your 
is your base, but that doesn't mean that you're shackled to it. And that a lot of early uh, young directors don't understand that too. They think it has to be exactly what's on the script, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's problematic. You you have yeah. to be able to adapt. Um, you can have problems like continuity issues, which <laughs> crops up in this film. For example, after the girls do their wonderful crash landing and they put the fire out, even though that there's no gasoline in the in the plane, which is the reason they crash landed in the first place. Hmm. First thing they did is they they pulled out that that pack and they're like, let's check our survival kit. And they're like, okay. And they take a couple of guns out of it and they shove the thing back in there. Next scene, you see the two of them on the beach carrying the big giant bag. I'm like, dude, you just shoved that in the plane. Now you've got it. Continuity. Once again, I think it's something I didn't notice. I, I don't know why. Like, I mean, I think it, I don't have an eye for detail like that for films, you know, or whatever. I just, I like, I don't think about that. And these, I'm, I'm their target audience. You know, the people that just aren't going to pick that up, uh-huh. you know. Well, they looked really damn sexy while on the beach, which is right. probably I mean, what you sure. were paying attention to, which is what they wanted you to pay attention exactly. to. Exactly, you know. And, and I agree with that. But I will say with independent film, I'm a lot more forgiving. Um, because of obviously being in film, I understand how how things go <laughs> and how chaos can ensue rather quickly. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I can forgive Ed so, Wood, but Annie Sedaris had more money, yeah. though. Come on, higher, I mean, higher I mean that is go. that is true, but I I think at the same time, okay, so I'm gonna get a lot of heat for this, but I I kind of see Marvel movies in the same way. I take them as they are. And I don't, I don't hate them for what they are because they are, I mean, some movies are just crap, but they are what they are. And it's somebody's baby that they made come alive and they've done more than I have because I can't even write a full freaking script. Actually, I have one script written, but no money to make it. Um, Welcome, welcome to the club. Yeah. yeah, seriously. Does it have a guy in a cow suit? Because that would be an amazing coincidence. I mean, that would be great, but it's cow like incident. slimy dinosaur monsters from hell. So, right. um, so that's up Paul's alley too. So absolutely. You know. <laughs> I mean, call, it, call me. It, Kate, call me. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish it could be made one day. Um, about a punk rock band, but oh, I um, like it even better. <laughs> yeah and, and they don't know how to play their instruments it's great so i mean but what is punk but just a bunch of people with freaking rage against you know the government and the man and all of that right. um one day one, one day. day i'll make this freaking Yay. movie that i wrote right. for screenwriting class that uh yeah so other script option is about a serial killer so you know um but <laughs> i i just film like this even though he has the money and he has all this there's something so charming about it because it's his baby come to life exactly and the other thing too is um you know to focus on some of the good things everybody was a really good actor in this Mm -hmm. oh i agree yeah here and that's kind of the reason you know going back to what i said about hard ticket to hawaii being a little bit more fun because that's Mm -hmm. one of his earlier films and he clearly didn't have the formula down quite yet and there's a lot mm-hmm. of ridiculousness and some bad acting and some goofy shit that happens. And that kind of makes it a little bit more in my wheelhouse, which is why whenever I talk about an Andy Sedaris film to somebody who doesn't know about it, Hard Ticket to Hawaii is usually the one that I bring up first. This I is think that was my later. first 
Yeah. I think that was honestly my first, most people's first movie. This one is a few years later down the road. He's got his formula down. He's got his money down. He he's knows got his actors. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, uh, Donna Spear and Hope Marie Carlton, this third and pairing together. So those guys have chemistry. So some of the things that, you know, kind of made Hard Ticket to Hawaii a little bit more fun because of the, the stinky parts are not really in this movie because, you know, there's been more time, there's been more money, there's been more production value, and there's more stuff going on. And that's that's good. That, that's good for him. That's the direction that he wants to go. Uh-huh. It's not necessarily uh-huh. good for my purposes, but, yeah, it's just it's more professional. Yeah, I was going to say it's more of a Hollywood movie compared to Hard Ticket. Hard Ticket is kind of all over the place, but I I love that movie so much. But like I said, I think that I'm pretty sure because I think we watched my um um my friend Brad's house, who actually works for Vinegar Syndrome now. Um, Jealous, jealous. I I'm jealous of him. Um, but yeah, so he actually did um, like a movie night and we watched Hard Ticket to Hawaii and I was like, this movie's freaking nuts. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that. And I, yeah. I that was actually when I was really getting into a lot of indie indie film and stuff like that. Like I had already done a couple movies, but it was when I really began to understand the love and passion that there is in independent filmmaking and especially for films that are just trash mm-hmm. um, that, that the will or rather I would describe as the world would discard as trash, but film lovers actually like love and have cult followings mm-hmm. for and stuff like that. Because yeah. I mean, Andy Sedaris very much has a cult following. He, he's known for what he did. He inspired so many by his, his almost, I don't want to say guerrilla filmmaking because he wasn't a full guerrilla filmmaker um, because he did have the money and the resources. Right. Yeah, he wasn't stealing but, shots or anything like that. Well, it wasn't Donald J. Jackson, no. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but I still think at the same time, like, he had this charm about him. Like, these movies feel like Hawaiian, you know, shot in Hawaiian movies. Yeah. And, and like... The- too is you know when you see it when i first saw this you know 15 year old paul thought oh this is great i love seeing the boobs i love seeing the blah 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 50 year old paul on the other hand is looking at this like oh my god this i'm picking out all the issues and things too but on the other hand i'm also getting a little bit more than a little bit of a nostalgia high too because that's 1989 baby and that was like prime time for the moo cow and right you know that was that was an awesome time for me and i kind of wish that i was still stuck in 1989 so so here's the thing when i started watching it again today i i i just felt good inside you know like it just it gives you this it's called a chubby (laughs) no no there's that but that wasn't it um that was the only thing but um but I was the, say, only thing, not the only thing <laughs> but no but like i i watched it going you know this is just a fun like enjoyable movie it is like, very yeah. much so 
It's so, a popcorn movie. It's a popcorn movie. And the only reason, like, because we talked about Hard Ticket to Hawaii, and I told you guys this before the show, but the only reason I did, you know, I, I didn't choose that one, which obviously is more silly and goofy and has like fake snakes and other shit that just <laughs> seem like ridiculous and stuff like that. And this is a little, this is a lot more polished. This is a lot more, um, you know, budget. Hollywood. Bud- more Hollywood than than most of his other his earlier mm-hmm. stuff you know um and the reason i chose this was because not many people talk about it more right. people talk about um even his other stuff they talk more about the the other one movies or whatever um so hard, hard ticket hawaii is definitely already covered by um uh red letter media and a ton of other people and so i was like you know you can hear it over there but like Let's do another one. Let's do something, yeah. you know, we got to well, do Andy Sedaris. At some the, point. Other, the other problem is, and the reason why you're not seeing these kinds of movies before or now, whether it's Jim Wynorski or, you know, Andy Sedaris or whatever, is that the, the model has shifted so that all the PG-13 stuff is now where the money's going. The thing that made these kind of movies great back in the day, which is the boobs, the blood, the violence, the explosions, that kind of stuff is not in favor in Hollywood right now. That's considered, you know, I don't want to say taboo, but it's oh. it's not where the money goes because mm-hmm. teenagers rule and that's where they want to make all the movies so that 16-year-old kids go and go in there. HBO is still very much known for their boobs, you know, Game yes. of Thrones. Thank and, goodness. And, and stuff. So, But even they get shit for it. Yeah. Stars, yeah. Yes. And so what I was hoping for was that HBO would create some kind of independent, um, you know, label or whatever for like each, you know, like some, some companies have that, like a low budget label where they, they will allow, you know, a hundred thousand dollar to a million dollar movies as opposed to the, you know, the big, big stuff. And maybe one day they will, because they'll start realizing that that is a way to get, you know, some extra. Well, the thing about HBO is they have the clout to work with the big people, all the big stars and big talent want to work for them because they get a lot of creative freedom. So back, the, the, back in the day, they weren't, you know, yeah. and stuff. So, so unfortunately the, the level of that Andy Sedaris is at is never going to be able to work with HBO, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, or even put it out on like HBO max, you know, like these right, kind of right, stuff right. won't be on there. But you know, you know this... like the, the guy who did the true detective shows, I forget his name. Um, I mean, the reason he's going to HBO is because he is, as much control to do whatever violence or, or bloodshed or or nudity that he wants, yeah. and because it's part of the story that he wants to tell, and you're he's not going to be able to get that most anywhere else. Yeah. Well, and I I think part of it too though is, I mean, if you really think about these films, they were not available mainstream. People were willing to buy it and to show it, but a lot of this stuff was passed around from person to person via vhs i mean look at like cannibal holocaust and stuff like that these movies were not you know big ticketed items it was all word of mouth and now i mean we're so with with social media and stuff like that it's great you know that we can share this out but i just feel like there's so much more of it now that it's harder to kind of differentiate between them i mean you have anybody and everybody making movies and i think part of that is there are some people where they're just making them to make them i mean we all know directors Mm -hmm. like that 
Um, They're not making them because they love the craft. Um, And they they love the actual art around it. Um, And I mean, I can name so many filmmakers that I know that really just genuinely love it. And that's part of the thing as an actor. I freaking love it. I love being on set. I love meeting new people. Like I'm getting ready to film a movie in June. I know this will be like later on. So it'll be like after it'll be posted after this, but I'm excited because of the people. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, we've, it's just, it's harder now because there is so much more and we're, everything is like, look at this and look at this and look at this. And we're just constantly like seeing everything we're on social media like it's Mm. hard to disconnect from that I hate Facebook I hate social media I hate Instagram but it's a necessary evil that I have to be a part of in order to get more roles you know yeah right and you know say what you want about the indie film community they are willing to go there when Hollywood is not so if you're looking yep. for stories that are out there, if you're looking for, you know, if, if more violence is your thing or extreme violence is your thing, if nudity is your thing, if more adult-themed storytelling is your thing, that's where you have to go because yep, it's just I not agree. coming out of Hollywood. And in fact, it hasn't been coming out of Hollywood for about 25 years now, unfortunately. Yeah. No, because everything in Hollywood is like Star Wars or Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> that's sort of like, what... I mean... And, and it's repeat of Star Wars and Marvels, just building on the same stuff that's already been built. I know there's. I feel like the original ideas are no longer there. Every once nope. in a while, we have some really cool stuff. I still have not seen what is it? Everything, everywhere, all at once. I've heard no, good things about that. It. Yeah, need to watch it. Want to watch the Northmen? Um, yeah, I wanted like, to watch the Northmen. I did watch but the. Those Nicholas... movies are a rarity. Right, I, I nobody's taking Nicholas... chances anymore. I did watch the Nick Cage movie, um, uh, the um, um, unbearable weight of massive talent, and that was. I really amazing. want to watch that. I want to that see was, that. Yeah, that, I, that I want great. to see it. I I love Nick Cage. I'm so happy for him in this resurgence that he's had, Yay. where he's doing movies like Mandy and Color Out of Space. Because both of those are just freaking great movies. So I'm really happy for him that he's like yeah. doing all this stuff. And I know he did a lot of it to get out of debt. <laughs> right, but. But I feel like he brings something. I wish I wish more actors would take that chance. Right, right. Love I the color out of space. That was really good. Oh my god, so good. But I wish I wish these these Hollywood actors would take a chance on a film they would have never done. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's because they they some of them want to, but then they get advised by their agents not to do yeah. it or they're under contract for Marvel or some of the other big ones who say you can't do this. Yeah. Well, in the, I mean, the, I get it. Money talks. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, famously, uh, 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 Scarlett Johansson wanted to go in a particular direction and she was under Marvel's contract and they said, no, you can't do X, Y, and Z movie. And she was like, fuck you. I'm going to do it anyway. And then they had that whole breach of contract thing that that came up because i mean you know there are people that want to be able to go off and do things it's just a lot of them can't unfortunately well it's because you know disney rules the world and you know at the same time though i'm okay yeah with certain things because i live in a certain location Ah. let's (laughs) keep things a certain way um (laughs) not getting into politics um but yeah like i just i feel like 
I feel like there's so many films that just should be given a chance. And I wish, I wish actors would take that chance. Um, And whether that be because they need to get out of freaking debt, like Nicolas Cage, but he ended up like becoming this amazing freaking almost cult actor. Like everybody knows Nick Cage, but he's become this, like he's, he's had this resurgence with this just like iconic, everybody loves him. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, is that if more actors, more really good A-level actors took a chance maybe some producers would take a chance and actually fund some of these movies. I mean, once again, and we've had this discussion, Paul, and you know this, but like uh, it's a little fear that, you know, they're going to get fired. The big producers are going to get fired if they uh, take the chance, because Mm -hmm. if they take the chance and then they blow it, you know, that's on their ass. But if they take the chance on what's safe and everything and America just doesn't want it, you know, they blame America. Like, oh, America didn't want Yeah, it. most of the big studios, though, they always had a little bitty production group that they would utilize to do that kind of a thing. You know, even Disney, mm-hmm. for a little while, was making more adult-oriented films. Right. But unfortunately, again, it, it just, you know, it was just more cost-effective to dumb everything down and shoot everything for dumbass teenagers because they have disposable income look and so that, or, that, that, that killed it family yeah. yeah um i mean but like i appreciate these early filmmakers like andy sedaris and stuff like that because we wouldn't have the film we have today i mean i'm freaking wearing a brain dead shirt <laughs> like that movie is freaking bonkers um but i'm so oops, i don't know what the freak i just did i changed guys and whatever um, but <laughs> I changed for the video set up because I got a message on my phone. Um, but like I, I early filmmakers, um, who were doing this, you know, this type of stuff, I absolutely love them and appreciate them because they've paved the way. I mean, for example, biggest one, Sam Raimi. He made a movie that took like four freaking years mm-hmm. that is so iconic in horror history. And now he's making a freaking Marvel movie, nope. which is pretty much the fourth rendition of the film um, and had a lot of the homages and stuff that, you know, but Marvel wouldn't have had that had Evil Dead not been made, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't be where we are in film, no matter how Hollywood regurgitated BS is out there. Right. Well, we wouldn't be where it, we're at. it goes back to Sam Raimi's skill because if it didn't have the underground cult following that it had, Disney wouldn't give two mm-hmm. shits about it. Well, yeah, exactly. but he also he also did the original Spider Man. You know, he did. So, he did. You know, um, he had a he had a relationship with um, Kevin Foggy who. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and 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 I know Paul is not a huge fan of Marvel and Marvel Studios, but you know what? They are they were an independent studio originally. They uh, they actually got a uh, they actually took money out of a banks out of banks. Banks loaned them money to make this happen. You know because Marvel was in debt was in uh, bankruptcy at that time, so they had to actually get a loan and they had to put up as collateral all the characters from their, you know, from their stuff. And they went out and they made iron, actually still had to like uh, uh, get investors 
to put up money for uh, Iron Man. If Iron Man had failed, the rest of it would have failed. And I'm very glad it didn't, you know? I mean, I I don't dislike... I don't dislike Marvel because they're a big, successful corporation. I just don't like the extreme oversaturation of the market with nothing but superheroes. You know, there's I mean, I would so agree, many, but it is, so it is really cool, though, that, okay, so for someone who didn't live through the Star Wars craze, um, it is really cool, though, to be able to say that I am alive during you know, the Marvel, the creation of the Marvel universe, as far as cinematography wise. Um, It is really cool to say that because I mean, Star Wars cool. Great. Yeah. But they did that. Mm -hmm. Now we've created films, you know, for the superheroes. I am a hundred percent superhero back. Like so freaking over the superheroes. I have not watched WandaVision. I've not watched Loki. I've not watched Moon Knight. Um, everybody's like, you missed the point then of multiverse, and I'm like, no, I didn't because yeah, I can, can read between the freaking lines. Yeah, it's not, um, it's not. They make it so it's very simple for you to understand. You don't need to see them to understand right. it. Exactly, exactly. And fortunately, we have the Sidera universe that you can go back to, and <laughs> uh, especially when it's all captured on that nice twelve movie disc, so you can go off and see how there was a time I, uh, when there were. Back before, you know, when the dinosaurs ruled the earth and there were things besides Star Wars and Marvel. And floppy disks and stuff. Um, right. uh, yeah, before Star Wars and Marvel, because that's pretty much all there is. Actually, it's not before Star Wars, but before Marvel. Like, uh, before Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, because Star uh, Wars was, uh, yeah, beginning way then, yeah. But, uh, but what I was going to say is like, um, I wanted to, I was, I was just thinking about it because I would love one day to have like a weekend where like, I like uh, a binge watch all of the movies or whatever, back to back, have like a marathon of all of the Andy Sedaris 12 movies. Cause you could do six in two days, you know, each, and they're pretty quick. They're only like an hour and a half each. Yeah. So. They're not long at all. Like this movie only took me a long time because I paused it to talk to people. I've not watched all 12, but I've watched enough to say when you've seen one Andy Sedaris film, you've pretty much seen the basis of all of them. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, they all kind of start out the same. They all kind of end the same, you know, or whatever, but they're, they're fun. You know, they're, it's cute. And they are a universe. They have connecting characters and, you know, other stuff. So it, it, it's funny that he created it, <laughs> his the- own. Sedaris cinematic universe. You right. know. Well, I was the, gonna the, say it's it's Marvel, but Andy Sedaris. <laughs> you, you could do the trilogy of uh Taryn and Donna because they are in three movies. They're they're mm-hmm. both in Hard Ticket to Hawaii, they're in Scorpio Rising, and then the last pairing is the is them in, in Savage Beach. So there's a trilogy for you. Nice. Well, there you go. All right, we are now on to our uh the the, the main event of uh of doing our rating uh, system, but uh, so th- uh, this has been a great discussion. Um, I was going to say this this episode like derailed multiple. Yeah, times. we rolled oh, yeah. off in several directions. <laughs> well, happened. we don't have Jen here who usually rails us back, but uh, but <laughs> then again, I'm very glad that she didn't because I think we did have some really good discussions. Um, you know, on this stuff. So, uh, well, at some point, I'd love to be able to get Kate and we just talk about movies in general. I mean, there's a there's a I agree. podcast right there. Yeah, like the history of filmmaking or something mm. like that, like discussing old and modern movies. 
So at some point we need to do that. But at the moment, I guess I need to trot out our stinkometer where we talk about rating our film on a score of one to 10, by which the lower the score is, the least the amount of stink is, and the higher the score, the more stink is. Um, Not necessarily that stink is a bad thing. You can be the stinkiest movie in the world. You can still have a lot of fun with it, but it generally means that there are a lot of problems. And then we uh, take the scores from our three reviewers. We add them up. And then we figure out what was the stinkiest movie of season five. And I'm telling you what, season five has a lot of stink to it. It's been a stinky season. It's so been a far. stinky season, but that's because we've had one extra movie per, yes. you know, in the season. So that's really, I think that sort of helped, you know, push Absolutely. it a little bit. Um, extra stink for everybody out there. But also we didn't have a lot of stink last year. So we're kind of making up for it. So, yeah. you know, there you go. This um, werewolf had just sort of <laughs> made up for it. Last that. year was stinky enough on its own. So last <laughs> oh, years. Well, that's because so. you were in the stinky, well, like probably the stinkiest one, which is killer. Dude, we had a 10 plus. Last I just season. mean in like overall. Oh, oh, the year itself. <laughs> overall, okay. last two years sucked on yeah, their own. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, this year's actually been picking up and pretty good. So I've been happy so, with it. You know, Kate, you've been on the show multiple times. You're familiar with the stinkometer. Uh, I'm I'm curious to know, what's your rating for this movie? So I'm actually, because it's one to ten, right? One to ten, yep. And one being good, ten being stinky. Going to be pretty, I'm going to go with a straight five. Straight five? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, What about you, Paul? I'm probably going to go five and a half. I almost, I was thinking about a six, but I think five and a half because there's there's too many good production things in there. It's just the writing. The writing always drives me crazy <laughs> in, in Andy Sedaris movies. But, you know, he's consistent like that. And it's just something you have to, to put up with. And just, you know, at some point you have to just sort of turn your brain to duh and just let the boobs and explosions roll. And Once, that's sure. what it is. So... I, you know, and, and I've been thinking about it since I was watching it going, you know, I really, 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 really enjoy this movie. Like I'd watch this movie over and over again, you know, which, um, you know, a lot of those movies that we watch, especially the ones Paul picks, you know, because he <laughs> picks the ones that like he likes to torture us with. I won't watch more than once or something, you know, or won't want to watch more than once. Um, how, Maximus. No, but um but this one, I'm going to give a four. And I've been talking about it, thinking about it. But um, even with your, because at one point I was like thinking, should I give it a six because of all the stinky stuff that Paul pointed out? Then I was like thinking a lot of that, once again, mm-hmm. is stuff that they didn't have the internet. They didn't have this information stuff that they mm-hmm. could, maybe they could have asked around. They'd have to go to a library. Yeah. <laughs> just, had to look just at kidding. I love books. <laughs> maps instead of Google, you know, things like that, which, you know, just maybe people just didn't think like whatever that they would care mm-hmm. about. And they however, take for granted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or they didn't think the audience would care because the audience is looking at the boobs and yeah. stuff so i would say i would give it a four because it was that, a lot of fun that makes sense i mean it, is. it just it just drives me crazy because i just you know you had this great production you had people who are actually good at what they're at what they're doing if you just paid a little bit more attention to the writing and to the mm. story it would have been like could have made filming this in the really philippines film, you know but I, I, in the will say, yes. I will say one of the reasons i i said that um it's a shame that these guys uh, never kind of you know, did anything else past that as a as a as a team. And I'm talking about Donna Spear and Hope Marie Carlton. 
I really like the two of them. And if you watch all three of those films, they really develop the chemistry between their two characters that makes you sort of interested and you kind of care about them and you you'd kind of want to see what other adventures that they would get up to. I I wish that for whatever reason, um, Hope Marie and Carlton uh, had stuck around for one or two more Annie Sedaris movies with these characters. I think it would have been fun, especially since it seemed like the production values were getting better and better. You know, well, it kind of sucks because a lot of these actors um, have stopped working since the '90s, like late '90s. They stopped working, and a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that things have shifted at that point. You know. Well, um, and because they're women, and as soon as you start aging, women age out of Hollywood pretty quickly. Yeah, it kind of sucks, and I'm yeah. I'm sorry about it's that. It's changing yeah. though. It's changing, Marissa Tomei. It's changing is in the older indies. as Spider Man's as Aunt May. Then, um, what's his freaking name? Oh my goodness, Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Oh, there you go. Look uh, at the difference. Of course, Wilford Brimley always looked like he was 70 back, even probably when he was a child. I mean, I swear when that <laughs> man not was, like born, a baby. was born with a freaking mustache. Ah, yeah. Beatles. Diabetes. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Uh, wasn't he a guest at Scares I Care at one point? Yes, you he know, was. I didn't. Did you meet him? I just saw him, but I didn't get him. He looks like an adorable, sweet old man. I would have I would have loved. I, he's not any. He's not alive anymore, is he? Or is he still? I don't know, but I always thought he looked like a panda. I don't remember. I feel like I looked this up recently, and I, don't I think remember. he passed away. Um, I'm going to look this up because I got it. Well, he had the diabetes, so there you go. I think it was recently too. Um, mm, that's a shame. I always liked him. He was a good character actor, and he uh-huh. he doesn't get the credit he deserved in the thing. The, the uh, John uh-huh. Carpenter's the thing. He was really good in that. He was. Everybody was good in the thing. It was 2020. Oh, yeah. Ew. That's a bad yeah. year to die. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, uh, rest in peace, Wolford Brimley. But, you know, he's one of those people that I, I loved him in The Thing, and I loved him in a few other uh, projects I've seen of him. But, um, you know, he's not somebody I was sadly running off to get autographs for, you know, well, like as much. Mr. Moody, uh, you need to work your magic and see if you can't dig up either Donna Spear or Hope Marie Carlton, and maybe we could get them onto the Indie Film Cafe Spotlight, and maybe they could talk about what it was like to work for Andy Sedaris on any one of these movies and talk about their career, and, you know, it would be nice to hear from them, you know? Yep. And I, then I, you I, bring Kate Phoenix back on, so she yay. can talk to them, too. <laughs> As a matter of fact, what, what kind of miracle would it take to get the two of them on at the same time? How awesome would that be? I don't Zoom know. with Zoom, it's possible. Right, Zoom, anything's possible. It seems these days. I mean, I don't um, even know if they've talked with each other in twenty years, but who knows? Maybe they've kept in touch. I don't know, but I guess maybe one day we'll see. I don't know. I don't know how. Like, uh, they're still around. I mean, they're not acting, but they're out there, you know. So I mean, I think Hope Marie Carlton did something as late as twenty thirteen. Okay. Uh, well, that's because she probably had to uh, recoup the money from paying her. Yeah, and I think like, like Terry Weigel kind of when she was, you know, her thing was, was her star was hot for a while. She ended up going more into porn stuff. Um, so she did a lot of adult movies. I don't know that she's doing any of that stuff now, but um, I always like Terry Weigel. 
It was, I, always, I always thought it was so unnecessary for her character to be killed. It's like, that's the other thing about Andy Sedaris. He likes to put in double crosses and people getting screwed. And it's just like, okay. 2003 was her last uh, thing. So okay. you might have might have thought 2013, 2003, but uh, right. it right. was uh, it was Hotel Erotica. Yeah, uh, that's something like that. I, yeah. yeah, it was uh, wow. So it looked like a um, and it got Monique Parent, who I love in that movie. So there you go. There you go. Um, but anyway, yeah. Oh, so wonderful to have you, Kate. Um, Yay! Thank you. Had a blast you. I have you. a great time. I know. Um, and we're just so happy that you're just, you know, so into these things, um, into these flicks. These movies are a lot of fun. Um, that's main, mainly why I want, we had to do an Andy Sedaris movie at some point. And, know. you know, we can't do the ones that everybody else does just because I just don't want to, you know. like Right. I thought Hard Ticket to Hawaii would have been a great Patreon only one. Yeah, maybe, maybe we could still do that at some point, you know, another mm-hmm. season or something. I wouldn't want to do it this season, but another season we'll probably do that. That would be fun. Um, but this, this would definitely, this is too, these are, a lot of these are too popular too, but you can't talk indie film without talking Andy Sedaris. Like Absolutely. it's just, he is, he is true indie, uh, just a little bit more expensive you know more polished and more hollywood than uh some other people and at the very least you owe it to yourself to watch it so you can see when movies were made without you know pg-13 and teenagers as the main audience there was a time when movies were made for adults and you know they made good stuff back in the day like the godfather and all that kind of thing and then the popcorn movies came out and it all became PG-13 stuff. And, you know, the only ones who were making it for adults were the folks like, you know, Andy Sedaris and Jim Wynorski. And even that is pretty much dried up and it's just it's, crazy indies now. Now Jim Wynorski is back. He just did like Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. And uh, he is doing some kind of Bigfoot or Bust so a uh, movie that's coming out in july so there you go like he I mean, he's back to doing his old tricks it's, it's great because you know the folks from back in the day i mean look at david dakota he's doing uh lifetime uh, lifetime uh, fred olin ray's doing lifetime um yes. i really want to ask david dakota what's with the lightning he does like lightning doesn't he i don't uh, know okay he, so the brotherhood movies Mm, I love those movies. Yeah. Um, but yes, Lightning. <laughs> I got to show you some of the 1313 movies. 13, Have you watched 13... the Brotherhood movies? No, but I've seen 1313 Bigfoot Island and uh that was uh that was a movie. Yeah. Uh the, the Bigfoot the movies Brotherhood movies are um uh, a little a little different. Um Yeah. I like Young Warlocks the best. That's my favorite. Um I'm wondering if that movie is similar to the brotherhood movies no oh no brotherhood uh brotherhood to young warlocks that's we'll we'll have that one yes yes yes. that's my one on indie film cafe and we'll bring you back yes you will yes because i love those movies we do david dakota a lot you know on this i uh, insisted that eric buy them because i wanted them So you have them in your collection because they're you got you know you get to hold them close and pet them i understand yes Oh, trust me, I have I have three. Nothing of them. says indie film like macho young young by like obviously over eighteen guys in um whitey tidies. Yeah. You know, 
As um, you do. Standing, standing in awkward poses. Last year for 31 Days of Indie Horror, we did, uh, or me and uh, this, um, Roger Connors. I don't know if you know him, but he's, a, mm-hmm. he's an actor. Um, and he's, he's uh, openly gay. And so I was like, you got to, we got to do a David Dakota movie together, you know? So uh, we did Wolves of Wall Street, probably one of the worst ones to pick. It is, it is awful. It is terrible. It would, it was supposed to be a brotherhood movie. And then uh, they didn't even want it as a brotherhood movie. (laughs) It got declined and it had a, it starred a, uh eric roberts <laughs> so, oh, they wow. missed, they missed an opportunity it should have been werewolves of wall street that that's, was sort of that, was the, that, that was the fit. point i was I gonna say that would fit with the brotherhood feel but yeah, yeah. um it was supposed part two, to be, though i think you're you're right the the young warlocks is is actually uh really freaking good um yeah um, the first, the first Brotherhood movie is great, but it's it's not nearly. Uh, I don't know. I always thought Young Warlocks was a lot more fun and enjoyable, you know. But um, anyway, uh, we'll probably do that. We'll probably do uh, Young Warlocks, and uh, you know, Paul can like watch a lot of kind of male, like straight men who are like kind of kissing on each other and stuff. Random straight uh, men questioning their sexuality. Exactly. It's hey, it's just different boobs. That's all I look at it. <laughs> yep. Yep. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been wonderful. Um, everybody, thank you guys. Uh, join us um, next week. We've got Paul's episode. So you got two of Paul's this I have noticed our podcasts are getting longer. <laughs> some of them are, some of them are not. So, you know, oh, this did, is long. <laughs> you know, this is a little longer, but that's fine. You we know? got a lot to talk about. We sometimes do. So um, I really enjoy this. So thank you guys so much for checking this out. Hope you guys yep. enjoyed this today. Uh, let us know what you guys think, um, especially if you've seen the Andy Sedaris movies and everything. Let us know uh, if you enjoyed it. So, And thank, thank you, Kate. It's always a pleasure to talk with you and have you on the show. Thank you both for having me. I always have a great Classing time. Classing the joint up a bit. I know. And you're, <laughs> you know you're always welcome. So we love having you. I appreciate it. Yay. All right. Well, thank you guys so much and have a good one. Bye. 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 Woo. Natural baby.